It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama! here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whatever situation you may find yourself in, thank you for bringing us along with you for that ride. Today, we are celebrating a 124-118, absolutely no defense played win over the Denver Nuggets. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Sam Jam Packard, in the same room at the same time, podcasting. This is like legit. This hasn't happened since uh, Las Vegas Summer League, but it feels it feels great. We're here coming live from New York, New York right now after a Celtics victory without Al Horford in which the second unit stepped up and actually won a team a game. I mean, yeah, Kyrie Irving had uh, his casual 30 points, but I think I thought the real <laughs> the real story of this game was the second unit in the start of the second quarter and the uh, start of the fourth quarter significantly outplayed the Nuggets bench and uh, extended leads. So for when Kyrie came back, uh, the Celtics were in position to win that game, especially um, Shane Larkin. I mean, my God, best game as a Celtic so far, but he had just an amazing night tonight, passing the ball, shooting the ball, um, just making the right plays, making high energy plays on defense, creating um, turnovers. So the second unit, specifically led by Shane Larkin, I think has to get the, is the main storyline tonight. Yeah, the second quarter. It's like the second quarter and the third quarter flipped, being you know second quarter is usually crappy, and then the third quarter is usually where they put it away, kind of opposite. The second quarter, the Celtics shot sixty eight percent in the second quarter. Larkin four of four for nine points. Baines three of three for seven. Tatum two of two for six. Uh, the master of efficiency, Jason Tatum. Let me pull up his numbers for the night. Tatum on nine shots, 15 points on nine shots, four rebounds, two assists. Jalen Brown, 26 points on 12 shots. Kyrie Irving, 33 points on 19 shots. Celtics shot 59.5% overall from the field. Taking advantage, I think, of Denver at the end of a something like 12-game road trip. This was the last game. They But... They they played pretty well. That backcourt, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, combined for 64 points. Jesus. And those guys were just raining. And, and Gary Harris took over late. It was just bombing away. Gary Harris is is problematic. It's He's very, very good. Um, and he's been this way for a while. It feels like the Nuggets 
they don't have the star power yet. I know Twitter loves to kind of talk about how Jokic is the next great thing and the greatest passing big man in the history of time. And <laughs> believe me, we all know that's Al Horford. But of course, of course. But Gary Harris uh, has consistently been good and is very underrated. And tonight he's just was amazing. He just pulled off some things. Uh, he had a crazy up and under layup against Jalen Brown, which I thought Jalen defended nicely. He had that uh, made that three pointer uh, after the jump ball, and he's just a very solid basketball player. Um, and I've been was very impressed by his play throughout the game. And then Jamal Murray, that kid can shoot. Like I don't know what, if he's a, a full time. Like I mean, if he you're going to be putting up thirty points in a game, but some of the shots he was making in the end to keep this game a lot closer than I thought it should have been. There with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, Celtics should have this game. Like Kyrie's going to come back in, but no. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris just like single-handedly willed that team to at least keep it close. Yeah, yeah, that was very annoying because that was like a what eleven-point game, and you were, you said it. You said they're playing stupid, but they're still up eleven. And then Harris and and Murray just kept bombing away. Harris and Murray combined to be seven of sixteen from three. Harris was three of eight. Murray was four of eight. Just, I mean that. That that's that's gonna be a, a a backcourt that's a problem. Murray's gonna be a star in this league. Uh, not a lot of defense played, but Jalen Brown had a, a nice game. Nice to see Jalen Brown stepping back up and scoring after the the whole personal issue and then getting the whole goggle thing, which I'm very disappointed in, man. I mean that I love that look the the black glasses. I, we put we put the glasses on the boat, and I think they're just staying on the boat, and they're just gonna be kind of like sitting on whatever a uh, dashboard or hanging from something. But those glasses aren't going back on his face, which is a shame. It's very too bad because the goggles they fit his personality, and it's too bad they invented things like contacts. Uh, you know, <laughs> just because for our own personal entertainment. But it was like it was the best game from Jalen in a while. It was good to see him being aggressive and. The thing that I would like want to see the most as a Celtic fan is just him knocking down corner threes because it's the same reason I think Jason Tatum has been so successful is just hanging out in the weak side and getting the open shots from from when the action focuses on Kyrie and Horford. If Jalen Brown can just chill in the weak side or in either corner basically and knock down open corner threes, the offense has so much more potential. And that's something we saw him kind of struggle with in his downstretch. We also saw him be generally less aggressive and it was nice to see him do more attacking the basket tonight. But if he can just become a more consistent shooter, especially from the corners, that would mean great things for the Celtics. Yeah, he hit his free throws tonight too, five of six from the the line, three of four from three. That final three, which was kind of funny in the corner as the clock was winding down, he's just sitting there like, and Plumlee was just kind of standing, standing there, look at him like, whatever. So, all right, fine. You want me to shoot? I'll shoot it. And he knocked it down, uh, which turned out to be kind of a clutch three because – they, you know, it looked like, I don't know what Denver was thinking there. It's almost like they were content to let the Celtics run out the clock, but they shouldn't have. They were very confused because at that point, Semi was in the game as a center. And right. Plumley was like, well, that's clearly not the guy I'm going to guard. That's Semi. He's six foot eight. <laughs> and he was just found himself uh, having to go to the corner. But even after that, Plumley didn't even try to contest or like get up. He was just like, go ahead, Jalen Brown. You've never done this before. But he has <laughs> literally earlier in the game. So it didn't. That last possession didn't make any sense, but shouts to Brad for being weird and going <laughs> going to semi at the five to close out a game. Like, who knew semi Ojale would be your cl- your crunch time five? I mean, I know not 
normally Horford would be in there, but sure. your backup center is is Semi Ojale. Right, right. Who in, in, earlier in the game, and they must have recorded this right around uh, media day, but there was a funny jumbotron thing where the Celtics were trying to spell Semi Ojale's name, and nobody could get it right. No one could get both names right. Like Jalen screwed up the first name, but got the last name right. No one knew. They were throwing bees in there somewhere. It was just a funny little thing to to see. They're like, "How can you not spell your teammate's name?" But just a... they got semi wrong. I, every single person or most people got semi wrong. It's a very simple. And the one guy who got Ojale correctly was Jalen Brown, who immediately messed up. She- Wait, it, yeah, he he messed up. Isn't it pronounced Shemi though? So Shemi. That, so yes. that could be a point of confusion. And you're right; those sure. were definitely all filmed on the very first day of media day, <laughs> which has got to be a crazy time because they got to fill a whole year's worth of content in like one afternoon, where a bunch right. of players don't want to be there. They have to come up with all of their jumbotron ideas in one spot. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, Well, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Marcus Smart. I wonder what's going on with Marcus Smart. Because he's not he's he's going through like a bad stretch, and I wonder now with Marcus Smart, this is a contract year. He's not playing like a contract year player. He came in with skinny Marcus and or slim Marcus. Which one were which one were you? You were skinny Marcus. I think I was skinny Marcus, but yeah. I can't even remember at this point because it was such a such a long time ago. We haven't talked about skinny Marcus in such in in a long time. Is he still skinny though? I don't even know if he's. I think he's still skinny. I mean, I don't think he's reverted to any bad habits, but it's not like he's dunking on a bunch of people. And I think he might have like two dunks this season, if that. And his shooting obviously has been been a problem. One of six tonight, zero of three from three, but. You know, four points, nine assists. Nine assists is good, but smart. I don't know if we should be concerned at all, or or I don't know what's going on. But the the Marcus Smart that we've seen lately, in all of the good stuff today, one of the bad things has been Marcus Smart in 34 minutes. Sure, he was a plus seven, but he didn't feel like that out there. He, I, I I felt like unless you saw something different. I mean, I, nothing really stuck out to me in terms of his. Uh, defensive effort and that's the thing you kind of know Marcus Moore by I feel like he still did a pretty good job um playmaking and creating with the basketball I know he had five assists in the first half he's made some nice pocket passes to Tice uh especially down the down the stretch I'm less concerned about Marcus because I feel like we we know exactly what we're gonna get from him it's the the high high energy high effort makes the the impact winning plays as cliche it is it as it is I think he's a great pick and roll passer uh, I think he's really added that to his game. As for the shooting, you're right. I just don't. I don't think it's ever going to be there. He's never going to be a great um, shooter. Never be a guy who finishes well against the rim. At some point, he's going to just have like defenses will learn to just not guard him. But I don't know. Tonight didn't really stick out to me as a bad Marcus Smart performance. It didn't. Chicago was a bad Marcus Smart performance. He was not as bad as Chicago, but not great. Not great. Uh, what else do we have here? I feel like this was kind of a 
you know, they didn't play any defense. Kyrie did Kyrie things, and they shot the Celtics shot pretty well. But you know, this, this is such a brutal stretch for them that it, it's there's I don't know how much more there is to say after all of these games because they play tonight, they play Friday, Saturday, and it's a lot of these things are very similar. Jason Tatum is very efficient, and he's he had a couple of drives to the rim where he finished. He did the stretch Armstrong thing and kind of leaned over and finished. That was nice. But as somebody tweeted me, and I will look it up, uh, it, I'm dreaming of the day that Jalen Brown shoots 15 shots. And as soon as I find it on my Twitter. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum. I'm sorry. Jason Tatum. And I'll find it. I think Tatum, it's it's interesting. I You hear all the cries for his shooting more. And... But he's also the, like very efficient, so and he's lauded for his efficiency. So y- you can't have it both ways. If he's going to be putting up more shots, his efficiency is going to go down. And part of the reason he's been so good is he plays within the offense, and he is he only shoots when the shot is there. And it's something that a bunch of um, different coaches and opposing players have talked about. Why? What makes him so good is his patience and his ability to not really force anything. So I don't know if I'm clamoring. I mean, yes, if the shots are going in, but I'm not necessarily clamoring for him to just be jacking things up. I thought he did a better job today. Um, and one play sticks out to me is in the second quarter of him just, um, I guess, taking more control of the second unit. But he did a nice up fake dribble move, drove, um, got to the defenders to collapse and did a nice over the head pass to Rozier. Tito three sticks, of course, hit it, uh, knocked it down. But that's what you want to, I feel like we'd want to see more from Jason Tatum. It's not just the uh, idea of just shooting. It's being more aggressive and then making the right play out of that. And so I would agree that it's like, I just think shot numbers is, is, is the wrong number to focus on. It's just general aggression uh, while he's, especially while he's kind of the, the leader of that second unit. Right, right. And let me just give the, the correct shout out on that tweet. It goes to at Alucard Fury, who said, quote, I yearn for the day Tatum takes at least 15 shots. I get your point. I get your point. I think... I think there are still opportunities for him to take shots and create and and do a, cu- a couple of things that that would get him a couple of more shots but we I see your point. I totally see your point that part of why he's doing so well is because he is much more selective. And what would you rather have? Selective guy who scores 15 points on 9 shots or not so selective guy that scores 20 points? on you know 14 15 shots is it worth is it worth that extra the worth the extra shots to get the extra five points versus working the ball around and getting those shots to your teammates and and working within the flow of the offense so I I don't know I I I just want more I always want more out of Tatum because he's done so well and I guess we do have to take that with the grain of salt, we have to say he's a rookie and he's just not going to go out. Even even in situations where he's clearly the best scorer on the on the on the floor, that he's just going to work through the offense and get the shots as they come. And we'll just have to wait, maybe later in the season or next season, for him to find another level of aggression. And because, he he may not even need to be the next guy of the second unit if Shane Larkin's going to play this well. Right. <laughs> the second unit of Larkin, Rozier, Smart, Tatum, and Tice was the one that went on a run. 
And Shane Larkin, all he did tonight was score 14 points on a perfect 6 of 6, 2 of 2 from 3, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a blocked shot to his credit. Oh, wow. You never you never expect to see that happen. I don't remember the blocked shot. Shane Larkin is very short. Like, he's Isaiah Thomas levels of short. I was, like, startled to, like, brush up against him in the locker room. Like, oh, you are an NBA player. Yeah. And so it's very impressive what he's doing and kind of the spark off the bench. And I have to officially apologize. I remember distinctly saying that before the season that I was going to be upset every time Shane Larkin got into the game. And it was a it was an in- completely wrong take. He's been <laughs> he's been very good. Uh, I He's kind of the, the exact spark that the Celtics second unit um, has needed. I, I did not expect him to perform this well just because uh, the best kind of predictor of future play is past play, and he's never been this good before. Maybe it's just the wizardry of, of Brad Stevens. I mean, that's an easy excuse, but a lot of credit has to go to Larkin uh, just for being very aggressive. I, like the play I think I like the most from him tonight, there's two. One was just he stole an inbounds pass and got an easy layup, and that's just – reading the right situation, being aware defensively, and putting the effort in. And then the uh, the alley hoop he had to Tice, where he just yeah. stopped at the three-point line. And it was put it basically the perfect place where Tice could do nothing but dunk it. And I thought that's just a, it's just a great basketball play. And I was just impressed by his energy and what he uh, did tonight. You know, it's funny, those alley-oops. A lot of people think an alley-oop, you just throw it to the front of the rim, and a guy goes up and jumps and just slams it through. But that alley-oop, he threw it – towards like the middle of the lane and and you're exactly right the the way Tice was running in at the speed at which he was running in to put it near the rim would have actually been dangerous because he would have it, it there he would have maybe tried to tip it in but it would have been actually harder to put it about two feet away from the the front of the rim and Tice could easily just glide up catch it and just let his momentum go to the rim and it was perfect it was actually perfectly placed pass where I think people who aren't really good passers might put it in a different place. So uh, I thought that was great. And people forget that uh, his dad's Barry Larkin. So that's cool too. Right. Right. You Hall know? of Fame shortstop. <laughs> Hall of Fame shortstop. Absolutely. And someone tweeted at me that his uncle apparently is the all-time leading scorer at, at Xavier. Really? In basketball, which is also cool. Very talented family, the Larkins. That's, yeah, they are athletic powerhouses. Well, actually, that makes that would make Shane the worst athlete of the three. In terms of uh, things accomplished in the career, Shane Larkin is a distant Barry third. Barry Larkin is one of the best shortstops of all time. With Cincinnati Reds? Yeah. Also yeah. tweeted at me. People had a lot of Barry Larkin-related facts. <laughs> at me. Apparently, he paid for the entire to have the entire Red Stadium re-turfed to save his niece. He put like a million dollars of his own money just to extend his career. Wow. I had no idea about that. Yeah, if you if anyone else has more Barry Larkin facts, feel free sure. to send them my way. Throw the Barry Larkin trivia right at us. Uh, but yeah, so that's great. Um, all right. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
why don't we get to some of these rain and jays which uh the first one i'm gonna read i have no clue i know that mike and tommy were talking about old movies in the game but i didn't pick up on this maybe you know from at vandell from vandell harris alan ladd that's one l and two d shane larkin's new nickname compliments of tommy heinson did you pick up on on that conversation i heard them talking about old movies but I was in the middle. I was going back and forth and checking stats and stuff. I registered the fact that uh, it was basically Tommy is old and referenced a movie that in Scal had never heard of it. But I have no idea what that movie was. And yeah, that's on us. That's it. Came out twenty four. I remember him. I remember Mike saying it came out twenty four years before Scal was born. I didn't even know they made movies back then. It was before the talkies. Black and white movies. Uh, ben Gates. Of all the things Kyrie has done this season, it's his efficiency that has impressed me the most. Yeah, he's look. We expected Kyrie to be what high volume, pound the ball into the floor, and and he hasn't been. He took 19 shots tonight, made 12, four of nine from three, five of six from the line. That is going to pump your true shooting percentage up quite a bit. And in 33 points, it's just awesome. It's just an awesome game from Kyrie. And yeah, he has been more efficient, and I think he's playing. Just that different way. When you're playing with LeBron and your your entire focal point of the offense is come up, find that guy, and then do something else behind him in case he decides to pass. Which, yeah, LeBron's one of the best passers we've ever seen, but that doesn't really work with Kyrie's strong points. He he can go out and, and create, but to create all the time like that, it, it, we thought that's what he wanted to do. And I think what we're seeing is that's kind of just the only thing he could do is go out there and play that way. That was the only way he could get get points. Now we're seeing him cut. And I remember Brad Stevens had the point about him cutting. He had a nice backdoor cut tonight. He's doing that a lot more. He's playing off the ball a lot more. And just like you said with Larkin, you know, the only thing we have to predict future play is the pass play. And in a different situation or a different coach without LeBron – he plays differently. Now, of course, playing with LeBron and one of the best players ever, you have a chance to go to the, the, the championship, but it does affect how you play. So I think one thing that we're seeing is Kyrie has a lot more to his game than we've seen. Yeah, it feels like he's playing within the offense. And um, when you're playing with LeBron, it's either you watch LeBron do his thing or you kind of you're impressed by him or you're he's on the court when LeBron's on the bench and it's basically ISO Kyrie the whole time. So the thing that I've been most impressed about, um, I guess in addition to the efficiency, is his passing. I thought he's just been – he's he usually makes the right pass, uh, especially if they're, the defense is throwing um, a lot of attention his way. He will find the open man. And I think there's there's some shots and some threes that he is he jacks because – He's fucking Kyrie Irving, and they're they're gonna they're more they're gonna go in most of the time. So it's like you can't really blame him for that. I don't like. I'm not the biggest fan of his shot selection late, but I can't really. You want people to like that to shoot with confidence, but his passing, um, specifically when uh, tonight he hit Baines for the the dunk that ended up knocking down Baines, who just always ends up just taking shots in the in the groin, in the chest, in the stomach, ends up on the ground. He's just like the ultimate grit white cliche of a Australian guy, <laughs> but Kyrie made the perfect pass on that play. And he got the uh, engaged the big and found like put it perfectly. I think it was a no look, but it was whatever it was. It was extremely casual. Cause it's Kyrie Irving and he does everything <laughs> extremely casually, but he basically fed it to Baines and just, 
Um, I just been impressed with his passing in terms of working with the uh, in the offense and not really trying to force anything too difficult, unless the moment really calls for that and it's the fourth quarter and it's kind of everything slowed down. Then he has that ability, but it's not something he's been really looking to do. So I've been mostly impressed with his passing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Jovian Shadow, uh, have we reached that point in the season already where we're in the third in third gear, meandering along, waiting for the playoffs to begin? I did answer him on on Twitter but I'll answer it here too. I, I do think that right now we're just in a tough stretch. The, this stretch of December is the worst part of their schedule heading into January uh, when things calm down a little bit and they go on that London trip. And they're without, they were without Al Horford. They were without Kyrie on uh, in Chicago. Marcus Morris is has been out. And I, I just think a couple of injuries, key players – bad stretch there you're gonna have sloppy play no practices again they've had one practice in two months so i don't think this is meandering i think this is just sloppiness because the schedule is brutal and they haven't had their full complement of players this is kind of a weird part of the season it's like you mentioned it's it's harder to do the post game recap because we're it feels like we're in that a slog of the of all these games and we, it's hard to really talk about anything new because the kind of the trends that have existed for the whole season are there. But then you also think about it. It's like, technically the season hasn't even started yet because the season doesn't start till Christmas. Right. So it's a, it's kind of a weird uh, stretch of games that the Celtics, they're just, you're right. They're going to have to just get through and kind of gut them out tonight. They didn't play the best defense. Um, and they're certainly fortunate that Jokic didn't play, but you know what? They, they got the, the win. I feel like there's a lot of Celtics wins this year are, they might not have played the best basketball, but they were eventually just the better basketball team and have got the victory. So you're right. It's I don't think they're meandering. It's just it's a long season. You're going to have some down games, but as long as you're generally most of the time coming up with a W, you can't really complain about it. Right, right. That's we'll 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 deal with it for now, and then hopefully when things calm down a little bit, we'll uh, we'll see some better results and and crisper play. Uh, at Touche Bagouche. I love that name. Uh, Tushar Patel. Shane Larkin, more like Rain Larkin. <laughs> Needs some production off the bench. Number eight provided it so far. Which, that was a tweet that was sent earlier in the game in the second quarter, I think. But uh, I like that Rain Larkin. Uh, Rifesey fouling smart on a three might be the dumbest play in <laughs> basketball. Uh, is I don't know what it is about smart, but... He's got magnets in him. He ha- he just attracts defenders without any logic. Because let's face it, magnets make no sense. I don't care if you can explain the science behind it; it doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. This I really feel like this might be, and I think we've talked about this uh, on the podcast. I think Jay and I brought it up: regular season versus playoffs. The regular season, because you're traveling and because you're playing every other day, or you know, at least they are now in the NBA. The I think there's just a tendency to react. You see a guy in the white jersey when you're Denver. You see a guy in a white jersey in the corner, and the clock's winding down, and you just automatically knee-jerk contest. There's no uh, repetition against the same team to say, where's Marcus Smart? He's in the corner. All right, I'm not going to go too crazy. I'm going to contest, but not overreact. So for now, we'll take it because they're treating Marcus Smart like he's Damian Lillard out there on offense, and he's clearly not. So, yeah, there's there, 
Following Marcus Smart in the three is probably one of the most inexcusable things you can do uh, in in the NBA. I can't think of, off the top of my head, a more inexcusable play for anybody to make. Following Marcus Smart in a three. I mean, unless you just go with a worst shooter and say following Lonzo Ball on a three, but there's that's I don't know. It makes it makes no sense, but it just that's the magic of Marcus at this point. It just keeps happening. He just keeps attracting attention. And let's see one more here. Uh, Ty Cooper music. Could the C's use the trade exception to pursue Paul George if things go south in Oklahoma City? That simple answer is no. He does not fit into their trade exception. So uh, there, I'm assuming that uh, that's the disabled player exception. Ne- needless to say, there is no use uh, for that. I don't understand the the thirst for Paul George. You guys realize that there's this whole Gordon Hayward character right. who still hasn't played, who's going to come back definitely next season. I don't know. There's some crazy song without a walking boot already and some, some Twitter doctors. I've already said he might be come back in March. I have no idea if that's true. I don't think we can prepare for that mentally as Celtics fans. You have to prepare for him not ever coming back this season. But they're gonna. There's a built-in huge addition to this team. There's really not. They've been very, very good so far. There's no reason to go add someone else beyond Gordon Hayward. And beyond that, there's the the whole issue of the the luxury tax. I had a debate on Twitter, and it's all hypothetical. And you know, you say, okay, Oklahoma City is struggling right now, and there's uh, there's the possibility they, they don't feel like that they can keep Paul George if they don't why don't they try to get something blah 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 and of course Boston you start wondering you start wondering okay fine but what ends up happening is you you're gonna have to you don't just trade him for a rental you trade him to resign him and he's gonna be a max player so you have him on the max you have Gordon Hayward on the max you'll have to you still have Al Horford and Kyrie Irving opting into their deals. There's four players are going to make $120 million practically. You're already at the luxury tax line. Never mind the salary cap. You're already at the luxury tax line with four guys. And then you still have to pay all of your other players. That's just too, too expensive. It doesn't make any sense. And I like Paul George, but it just it's a pipe dream, and I, I just don't see it. Now, as for Gordon Hayward, I do think I do think there's a good possibility that he could come back. Not in March, but I think if the Celtics get to the second round of the playoffs, which they should, then you, I, I would say Gordon Hayward coming off the bench for 20, 25 minutes a game in in what May. Minutes, minutes restriction Hayward. Like if if they are going to bring him back, I like the idea of them bringing him back. And just only, like, allowing him to do, like, a, a very light load, seeing what he's capable of. Basically, I will, if he comes back, I want there to be zero, very limited expectations for what he can do. Because there's there's no reason to force him back or, like, rely on his minutes. He really needs to come back and make sure that he's completely comfortable moving, get back in basketball shape. Like, but... Considering how well this team is playing, I don't think they are relying on him for like a boost. But it, yeah, I mean, he's a great basketball player. I think they would they would welcome it. But I just like the idea if he comes back, very low expectations, minute restriction. Just you have to be a hundred percent sure. But if you're going to bring a guy back with like that 
crazy and gross of an injury. Well, the way I the way I look at it is this: it's it happened in I happened what October fifteenth or so, third whatever it was. Now it's December thirteenth. It's been two months. Comes out of the boot, and then you got January, February, March, three months of rehab strengthening give him a fourth month april now you're into the playoffs by then he will have rehabilitated he's gotten his strength back does he have his confidence back does he have enough wind back he will still have to kind of get back into nba shape but if you bring him back imagine at the very least eight minutes of gordon hayward starting the second quarter in the fourth quarter and now it, that that bench unit is buoyed by Gordon Hayward instead of Marcus Morris or or Jason Tate. I mean that's that alone is enough of a boost. And and I sure as hell don't want to rush him back if he's not ready. Fine, I'm not pushing for this, but I think by uh, May that is that's what seven months worth of rehab, rehabilitation, uh, strengthening, and all that conditioning. I think that's within a very normal time frame from the, for this injury. So why not? If he's ready, I would, in a second-round series, and then by that time he will get more strength back. If you get past the second round, now you're in the conference finals. Now you've got 20 to 25 minutes of Gordon Hayward. Maybe Hayward's in your closing lineup. That changes everything. All right. I mean, you sold me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, right. He's, a, he's an amazing – he's amazing. The crazy thing to think is that he was – we all thought went into the season with the expectation that he was going to be – I think a lot of people, including me, thought he was going to be the Celtics' best overall player. Sure. And they got six minutes from him, and they are still – have this record and are playing this well. So – I can't even really comprehend what adding back like a, a healthy Gordon Hayward would do to this roster. And I so if he can have any sort of positive impact, I'm all for it. Okay, you got a junk drawer over there? Oh, I got plenty of junk drawer. All um, right, the first one, and oh my god, the GIF of Yabu dabbing pregame. Oh my god, that must be like crack to you. Oh, it was fantastic. Now <laughs> we we all know that I'm a more much bigger Yabu dancing fan than I am of uh, Yabu actually playing, but he probably hits. It felt like 37 dabs in under five seconds. Like he does back and forth, back and forth, back and forth at least at least eight times. Then does it like all with right handed. It's just who knew he could dance like dancing bear. I thought that was like a description of his awkward basketball playing, but really this man loves to dance, and I'm all for it. Um, and I just need to see him dabbing more. As a dabbing addict, it's nice to know that there's fellow addicts out there. And if, <laughs> if you need support, Yabu, if you need someone to talk to, you can, we can dab together. Today, I actually uh, dabbed on a class of high school freshmen. I was there to talk to them about criminal justice reform, and as I was leaving the room, I wanted to be cool, so I dabbed real hard on them. Um, it felt great. You know what? And now that Yabu's do doing it out in public, you know what? I'm not afraid to admit my dabbing addiction. What, what kind of reaction did those kids kids give you? Uh, they were just more generally confused. And then the, the teacher told me later that it was like, they said, did he just dab? <laughs> <laughs> it was not like the, the, the cheers that I thought was going to happen. But you know what? I'm all for confusing um, the youth. They're very intimidating. They're very cool. Um, so that was just me trying to catch up. 
More junk drawer. Who shows up to the Celtics game in a full Batman mask? I, that's very confusing like, to me. What, at what point in going to the game do you put that on? Is that like, oh, we're we're at um, Government Center, time to get in the Batman gear? Or are you driving to the game in a Batman mask? Can you see the game in a Batman mask? That's got to cut down visibility. Is your entire purpose going on the Jumbotron? Because that's what YouTube's for. If you just want to be on video, I know, it was just very confusing to see the man in the Batman mask. I've seen him before. I've seen him before. He He's a regular fan. He's there often enough. I'm a, I agree with you. Is there a guy just sitting there right now as we record this at a pizza place across the street eating a slice? He can't even eat because there's a hole. There's no mouth hole in his Batman mask. I don't know, man. It's it's just it's very confusing. I, there's no Batman Celtics connection. Maybe this man is always dressed in a Batman mask and just choosing to be a Celtics fan for the night. I don't know. It was it was very confusing. Um Tonight we saw some some of Tommy Heinsohn being self-aware. And this is the first time in a while I haven't been at a home game, so the first time I've – I think I really heard Tommy all season. But I think there was the Plumley it was called for goaltending on – I forget who was going up for the layup. And it was pretty clearly a block. And I just like the fact that Tommy basically – Gorman looked to Tommy and was looked for a comment. Tommy knew that he had nothing to say because it was a bad call. And I just – I'm a big – Self-awareness is a great quality for someone to have, and I just love Tommy can be a super homer and just know it and be very proud of it. (laughs) It's funny. I watch other teams' broadcasts, and they have some super homer color guys, and I'm like, this is terrible. I can't listen to this. But when Tommy does it, I'm just – it. I don't know. It's like – it's home. It's homerism, and it's at home because it feels right. right. It's so. I think it's because it's so over the top. We, we I think we're all, we're all kind of in on it. Tommy's in on it, and I don't think that he's. I don't know. I just like to hear that he's in on it too. Because if he was just like blissfully unaware of like his general reputation, that would be kind of depressing. But now, right. but the fact that he's like knows that like who he is and what he does. I don't know. It just, it just made me feel better about the entire situation. When Tommy's in on it, when when the guy's in on the joke, then it, then it makes it kind of fun. It's not it's not like some of these other places where the, the person is like literally just uh, losing his – like, okay, dude, calm down. Like, Tommy, when he goes over the top, he's kind of putting on a show. Other people are just legitimately pissed. Tommy, again tonight, uh, another great moment where uh, Kyrie hit a, th- a three over Jamal Murray – and instead of saying hand down, man down, Tommy went. <laughs> now the man had his hands and they were down, and then his hand was also down, and Kyrie shot right over him, and he's just completely butchered whatever he was trying to go for. It was um, really funny. It was classic. Uh, what else do we got on the junk drawer? Antoine Walker in the building tonight, and uh, we could say it's a bad visual. Uh, apparently he was on the Jumbotron, and no one really recognized who he was, which is not a great look. Uh He's a Celtics legend, employee number eight, the Walker Wiggle. He did so many things. Yeah. He should be immediate uh, standing ovation, but it's tough when you look totally different from when you did as a player. Right. People were saying, what's Ruben Stutter doing at the <laughs> game? Ruben Stutter, Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn. That's a great one. Yeah. That's um, – I'm sorry, Antoine. Uh, I'm going to have to shout out Daniel McGrath. Also, the hashtag Raining Junk has really increased in use, and I appreciate that. Uh who was that guy courtside, and what did he do with Antoine Walker? Oh. <laughs> um, we also have some some tweets of raining junk about the Celtics spelling bee. Um, Sandesh Dillon, Dillon 
has said that uh, tracking winners, Kyrie and Jalen, have been the most consistent spellers all year. That's good to know. And um, from at 21, Bully Breed 88, how did Baines manage to put a B in Semi Ojale's last name? <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he knew the name back then. Is because he said it like Obelay or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and that leads into the next question. I thought it was a good one. Um, it's hashtag Rain Junk at. Uh, this is from Steve Canton at Kang Daddy. If there was to be a Miritich Portis type fight among <laughs> two current Celtics players, who would they be and why? Well, we were discussing this before the show, and I like the answer that we came up with. I think it's pretty obvious. I, it would be Marcus Morris and Aaron Baines, not out of any malice, just because Marcus Morris really wouldn't understand what the hell Aaron Baines was saying. Right. Aaron Baines would come up with some one of those like crazy, non to us, nonsensical Australian phrases like and and Morris would just lose his mind like I, I don't even know what the phrases are but they say like oh what's a great moogly like, <laughs> what was the last one it was um that meant like in a um a whoop whoop or something yeah something like that and, be, and what'd you say about whoop whoop yeah <laughs> we, right and then Marcus Morris would take offense and and somebody would I don't know whose face wouldn't back down and there'd be some Vegemite everywhere and it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> it'd be I think those I can't see um anyone else getting a fight the only, the one person i could maybe see on the Celtics getting in a fight is uh Tito just because he doesn't back down from anyone we saw him getting a little bit of a scrap a bit of a yelling match with Kenneth Fareed who is like one and a half times his size but this is something i noticed um in the Chicago game uh in Chicago you, you sit way closer to the game so you get kind of a get to hear the players more and Tito's just very aggressive and is willing to talk shit to anyone and so i don't know Maybe if Daniel Tice says something the wrong way, Tito will go upside the back of his head, and that that's another <laughs> fight. I don't know. I don't really think the Celtics are due for a um of some fisticuffs, just generally because that doesn't happen among NBA teams. Uh, the Bulls have a very weird situation. Yeah, they're they're very weird. I feel like this is the point where we should apologize to our Australian listeners for all of the things we just did and said because there oh, yeah, were a lot of stereotypes uh, and stereotyping yeah that and was it's generally not good but i feel like the aussie fans they love us so much that they know they know <laughs> yeah. we mean well i had i wish i had a more common phrase to go to than other than the guttural sounds that i emitted and of course, Vegemite, which I've never had, and I've heard is quite disgusting. Yeah, no, I hear it's awful. Everything yeah. else, it's just I, are either Simpsons quotes from Bart versus Australia yeah. or um, Outback Steakhouse advertisements. Uh, I, did, I did, as a child, like Men at Work a lot. They were from Australia. I don't know that anything other than that one song come from a land down under. Yeah, yeah. No, they had their, their first album was pretty good, and then, uh, yeah. Well, shouts to all of Australia and all of our international listeners and all of our domestic <laughs> listeners for uh, listening through this entire rambling junk drawer. I appreciate you guys using the hashtag raining junk because uh, it helps me come up with things to say. And um, that's helpful. Sometimes I don't have a full junk drawer. So thanks to the people. There you go. So do that. Hit us up with the rain and Jays hashtag. Uh, then I think that's it. Then uh, Celtics win. It's nice to win games. They won 124-118. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast in person, which, again, doesn't happen very often. Hopefully someday soon we can figure out a way to make this happen on a more regular basis. Until then, we hope it's good enough for you to subscribe and rate us five stars and leave us a good review, and also share, spread the word, 
let your friends, let your family, let perfect strangers know that they should be listening to us. We are the Locked On Celtics Podcast, and we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.